In this podcast, we're going to explore cutting-edge technology undreamed of just 10 years ago. Technology that is affecting our RV booking and planning habits right now. This isn't future theory. In fact, it's likely you've already used it, whether you knew it or not. This tech is a delight to some and distressing to others. Odds are, your last RV trip was influenced by artificial intelligence. Welcome to Tech Tuesday, where we share money-saving do-it-yourself repairs and upgrades, hacks, maintenance tips, trends, and the latest in RV accessories, often in interviews with some of the most knowledgeable people in the industry. Enjoy the show, and please share it with your friends, and take a moment now to like, follow, and subscribe. You can catch up on previous episodes at rvpodcasts.com. Here is an exclusive offer for snowbirds and RV travelers listeners. Golden Village Palms RV Resort is a welcoming retreat for an active lifestyle. From dining to recreation to shopping, everyone enjoys this pet-friendly RV resort. If you call 1-888-RV-STAYS, that's 1-888-787-8297, and use promo code SNOWBIRDS, you can have a discounted monthly rate of just $749 for stays through April 2024. Spend your days on the pickleball courts, relax by the pools, work out in the fitness center, or enjoy one of the many daily resort activities in sunny California. Brian Searle is the founder and CEO of Insider Perks and Modern Campground. His pursuit has been to carve out a path that combines AI, technology, data, and analytics to help clients not just succeed, but truly thrive in their markets. His leadership roles at Insider Perks and Modern Campground have further honed his expertise in AI, automation, and cutting-edge technologies like ChatGPT and OpenAI. Good morning, Brian. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you, sir. Thanks for having me here, Perry. I appreciate it. So, Insider Perks, Modern Campground, uh, but what I've heard recently is that um, you've developed something, and I think you nicknamed it Campy. But let's start with what what is artificial intelligence? Boy, that's a broad question, Perry. I mean, to be clear, I'm not a scientist and I don't develop this actual AI stuff. I just use it to build products and services. So I think it's some of this is going to be opinion based, right? But I think in my mind, artificial intelligence is something that helps supplement or enhance what humanity can already do. And that may change, right? It may end up one day surpassing that. Who knows? I think it will. But uh, I still think it's going to be to the benefit of humanity. Is that a good enough answer? Uh, yeah. So let's let's talk about what what is Campy then, or or what you've named as Campy. Well, so we've got actually we've got to be since we talked right last. We tried to do this recording once before. Can we say that online and say that it was my fault? We failed. My internet was bad. Uh, so we have Campy. We have Roadie. Uh, and we have Roomy too. And then we also have some private label ones for clients, but basically they're all the same thing. And so what it basically is, is it's an AI chatbot that we've developed that integrates directly with ChatGPT. So an upgraded model of that, right? And then layered on top of that is information about each specific resort, or in the case of Rody, an RV dealership, or in the case of Roomy, a glamping resort or hotel, right? And they basically have training data layered on top of them to make sure that it doesn't lie. So what are your refunds, your cancellation policies? Can you bring glass to the pool? Is there a toaster in the cabin? Those kinds of things, right? Because if it's going to function as customer service, we have to make sure that it's always telling the truth. 
And so all of those are designed to function that way to allow a resort or a dealership or a hotel to, or a campground, right? I said resort, I think, at the beginning, uh, to provide 24-7 customer service to their guests and then ultimately to use that knowledge to not just provide live chat, but to answer emails. We've already tested this and eventually to talk on the phone. Ah, well, that's pretty cool. So what's the difference then between the chat bot that we're used to and an AI chat bot? So this is honestly a big question we get quite a bit. And so I think you have to go back to 2015, 2016 to kind of really understand this. And that was when chatbots were really first coming out. They were being pushed crazy by big businesses that still exist today, like Intercom and stuff like that, right? Uh, and they really were one of two things. One is they were either a straight pipeline connection to a human being who was sitting on the other side and you know, maybe could handle two to six chats at the same time, depending on how good they were at typing or how fast they were at typing, right? And then there was the pre-programmed kind of robotic chats where you had to tell it, like, if somebody says something, then respond this way. But you had to be very granular with, you couldn't just say, if someone greets you, you had to say, if they say, hi, hello, hey, howdy, all the different variations, which took forever to program. And it was inevitable that eventually you were going to miss something, even if you spent hundreds of thousands of hours dedicated to training it, right? And then what really happened is one of two things. Either the customer had a good experience because they could chat with the person during business hours, but they still had to kind of wait because you have to wait for a typing response, right? Or they had to chat after hours, in which case the chat was kind of not useful if, unless a business was providing 24-7 support. Or they would ask a question in just the wrong, slightly different way to where the chat bot, because it wasn't AI, couldn't really respond if it wasn't programmed to answer that word, and then they'd get frustrated. And so I think over the course of the last six years, what people have developed, and me myself included, is an irritation with chatbots. Is a, well, I know I'm going to have to eventually get to somebody on the phone anyway, or it's going to be quicker to call someone on the phone. And so they've kind of shot away from using them because they feel like, rightfully, that they're unhelpful. But I think AI changes that completely if it is done right, which is a very big if, Perry. If it is done right and it is helpful, truly, then I think that it helps the business and the consumer. Yeah, I, again, I have an irritation with chatbots. You know, I, I feel like it's a roll of the dice when I click on that box to say chat, because it, it could be, as you said, there's somebody on the other end, but he's slow to type and it could take minutes for a response. Or Do, do, you, do you Slack at all? Slack? Slack? Yeah, it's a What's workplace that? It's a workplace communication tool. Like it's basically a chat for businesses. But anyway, my uh, point was, is the same thing with Facebook Messenger, right? You'll see that someone is typing and you'll just look at it and be like, hit enter, hit enter. Come on, you can do it. And they just keep typing forever. And I don't know whether that's a Facebook or Slack mistake or they're just slow typers. But that's the same thing with live chat, right? Yeah. Or they're dealing with two or six people at the same time yeah. and or they're looking up the answer in their manual before they can reply. It, so it is. It, it's frustrating. I'm just trying to figure out how I can get through a person. But, uh, you know, for instance, City of the Cologne the other day, I wish they almost had a chat bot because uh, I was on hold for 45 minutes. You know, well, and so that's, this is, that's not this cons is, customer yeah. service. Right. And this, so this is the thing, Perry. This is what's, and I've posted so much about this on LinkedIn, and I've had comments from multiple people about AI chatbots and AI in general. I don't want to talk to a robot. Why would I want to do that? That's a terrible experience. I want to talk to a human. And the reason people think that is because right now customer service is broken. 
It's because even if you do get through to a human being on the phone, you're transferred seven different times because, and this is not a fault of the person, it's a fault of the company who trained them. There's one person who's in this area and one person who's in this area. And it's a very frustrating experience. But if you talk to an AI in chat or on the phone or on an email that actually is trained on everything that the company does and has been empowered to actually support you and give you resolutions to problems, that everyone is going to want to talk to a robot. It just depends on how useful it is. Yeah, and I'm going to ask you this because I'm not sure and I, I think I might have been. How do I know if I'm talking to an AI chatbot? The answer is you have to trust the company to disclose it. So like in our case, right, we, we've clearly labeled it as campy. I suppose there could be a human being named campy. But then we've also got an icon next to it that's not a picture of a real human. It's clearly an icon of a little bot, right? And if you prompt it and say, you know, what are you or who are you, it will disclose, you know, I'm an AI assistant. I think that it's a very clear, like, I think there should be regulations and rules around this is my answer to that, right? I think everybody should be able to disclose and know whether they're talking to an AI or human. I don't think that's always going to be the case, but for us, it will be. And the reason I think it was an AI chatbot is because the answers were instantaneous. The only reason I think that, geez, was it an AI chat or was it was it an AI is I just talked. I typed as I would normally talk. Uh, so anyway, if it was an AI, it was impressive. That's um, what we want, right? That's our goal. Be more helpful. Yeah. Now, I think I, like a lot of people, grew up with uh, Terminator where AI is going to take over the world and, man, it's going to be bad for human beings and bodies like us. Uh, is there a danger here that the AI, for instance, we have to answer personal information. Is that somehow going to get out somewhere? Is there a danger there? Probably. I mean, I think that, I think the <laughs> truth, well, I mean, this is an honest answer, right? This is not my yeah. AI, not necessarily, right? But AI in general, I think we, we need to be cognizant of the way both of these things could go. And I think that you've heard a lot of people, if you've been paying attention in the AI space, indicate the need for regulation around these topics from the government. And for sure, there absolutely needs to be regulation because there's really one of two paths in my mind, and these are very broad paths, right? So you can break them down into hundreds of different things. But broadly speaking, there's one of two places this goes, either the bad side, and I'm not necessarily saying that we're going to have a Skynet or a Terminator or whatever else, right? But there are very real dangers with this saying like, come up with a virus that targets people with this specific gene. That's a very, very real danger if we don't regulate this stuff. But then the flip side of that is, is the utopia that this could create, right? And we've had conversations with our employees at our company about this stuff because everybody is worried, is it going to take my job? Is it going to replace me? You know, whether it can do better or not, maybe sometimes it's better for margins for companies. And so it depends on the ethics of the individual companies. And the answer is, is for sure, this is going to take a lot of jobs. Absolutely it is. And we need to respond as governments and as some companies who care, right, to make sure that we're taking care of people the best way we can. And so the flip side of that is, is we're going to have to go through that pain. But the other side of that, if we manage it right, and which is a big if, to be clear, Perry, I'm not saying we're going to, like, this is easy. But the other side of that is that costs of goods and services are lowered. We have robots and AI doing the majority of work for companies, which is going to enhance their profits, which is then going to bring down the cost of goods and services because they don't have to pay the people, right? And then we need to have the government step in and say, like, here's universal basic income, basically. 
but we can do universal basic income without taxing people higher because the cost of goods and services are lower. And then it becomes a world where like, and this is a rosy utopia, right? But there's two stark differences here. And the rosy utopia is, is well, we can be creative. We can create music and podcasts and all the things that we want to do instead of working all the time on things that we don't. Which is a very broad answer to a smaller question, but I, I think I understand. And I'm happy I'm to narrow it down for you, right? Like, I'm happy to narrow it down. I just know we have limited time. So ask. No, I, and I understand what you're saying. Yeah, and as a sci fi fan, I get uh, you're sort of talking the Star Trek version of utopia where people don't work because they have to, but they do. They work because they want to. They can, they want to, right? Yeah. So, I'll always want to work. Uh, unfortunately, I'm afflicted with the same condition. Uh, I don't, I can't see doing nothing or something that's not working. Yeah. But and there will be maybe I'll grow out of it. But you'll have the freedom to do that, right? You won't be forced to not work. It'll just be an option. And I don't know how this is going to work out, right? I'm just, I'm, not, I'm clearly just somebody who's hypothesizing based on some YouTube videos I've watched. Well, a lot of YouTube videos, right? Uh, and, and things that I've learned. Nobody really knows. But the answer is, is that we do need to, to start working together as a society toward, obviously, the better outcome that we all want, I think. Yeah, I agree. So I have a question here. Is So if we misspell a word or use a colloquial expression, is it possible to get the wrong information or, or end up booking the wrong campsite or even the wrong campground? I think, I mean, I think that's, the short answer to that is if I do my job right now, right? So if you if you have interacted with ChatGPT or GPT-4 in actual ChatGPT without our training data on top of it, then you know that if you've misspelled a word, which I've probably do once a day, that it tends to understand what you mean and it will correct it and it will not give you an answer based on a misspelling or even a substituted word in that case, like the wrong synonym or something. It can understand the context around it. But the answer to your question is, is if I've done my job right and I've trained it the way it should be trained, then the answer is no. It should compensate for any mistakes that you might make and guide you along the way to make sure that you don't. And the next step to that is, instead of typing, do you see in the near future, like this fall or next year, where we don't have to type? We can just say, I want to book a, a site with 50 amp power and it's pull through and I want it to back up onto a beach whatever that might be, and we'll just get the right answers. Yeah, I think I think this is where AI, like we've seen a lot of talk about ChatGPT in the media, and a lot of people have used it and played with it and touched it, and it's impacted their work and their personal lives, right? But I still don't think we're close to mass adoption yet. I think where mass adoption comes into play is with voice, is putting it in a Google Assistant, a Siri, an Alexa. And Google is talking about this, right? They, there was an article that came out, I think, last week, where they talked about they're revamping their assistant team to make it more into like a chat GPT type product. And I think this is where mass adoption comes into play is the not typing experience because while everybody can type and everybody can text and that's why chat GPT became so popular so quickly is because there wasn't really a learning curve behind it. I think that that's the, the barrier like walking into your living room and saying like, Hey, I want to go camping next week find me two places that are located off the highway that are good for kids and a Labrador retriever. And it's going to give you an answer. And then you're going to be able to say, okay, what are the prices for that? Okay. Show me some photos on TV, on my TV. Okay, great. Book it. Like that's the future where mass adoption comes into play when you can actually, when technology becomes an asset to your life versus a, 
oh, I've got to move into another room and sit down in front of a computer and do something I wouldn't normally do. Does that make sense? Well, it does. And the first thing I thought of is uh, I'm on Shaw Cable. So for Canadian audiences in the West, they'll know what Shaw is. The Shaw remote has a voice activated feature. I push on the blue button. I say what I'm looking for and it presents me with the answer, which is really handy because the number of streaming services that are available now, the number of movies, I think there might be 10,000 movies available to me. There's no way I can scroll that. And I think campgrounds are are similar to that as well, as well as RV dealerships or whatever else it might be. So being able to just speak and say, yeah, I want to be near Kelowna and I'm looking for campgrounds with whatever description you gave. And then I get the answer. I don't have to sit down at front of the computer where I've spent the entire day and search and search and search and search. And well, search. so there's two pieces to this, right, Perry? Number one is you can already do that. Like you can go to one of our bots on your phone and you can use the built-in Google Assistant voice and talk to it and it will fill in the text and answer those questions. I think I think the larger question around is, is the mass adoption comes from when it's in not just a website, but it can be accessed through Google Assistant and through a speaker and in your car and everywhere else, right? But two is is the AI that's going to be used on the back end. You talked in the beginning whether you've known you've used AI or not. AI has been used quite a bit for the last few years, especially with social media sites and things like that, right? To categorize, to show us content, to things like that. And I think that once that gets better, the second piece to that discovery option is knowing what your preferences are if you're willing to share them with the AI. And if you're willing is a key. Like we need some privacy laws around this stuff, right? But it knowing already that you have two kids and it can understand that every year they get older and it understands that you have a dog and it understands what type of rig you have. And then when you ask that question, it gives you an answer that you don't have to vet as hard or sort through 10,000 or not 10,000, but maybe 10,000 gets narrowed down to a hundred in a search. But if it knows you better, maybe it gets narrowed down to 10. So will this eliminate speaking to a person? When you want to, let's say, book a, a campsite, get a I refund? Mean, for sure, I think that's where it's headed. I don't know that it's there yet. But, yeah, I mean, that's the, the ultimate goal is not to take away jobs, right? It's to be more helpful. And we all know that most people don't want to talk to a human being on the phone. Not because the human being is unhelpful, though in some cases that's true, but because it takes more time. And so one of the common questions we hear from campgrounds is, I don't want more technology involved in my campground. My goal is to get people to disconnect and go outside and enjoy camping. And my answer to that question is, is that's exactly what we're doing. We're helping them get their answer faster, book faster, so that they can get outside faster. So I think in that way, technology helps facilitate that drive or that demand. But yeah, I think, I think this is very clearly where we're headed. I, I, I mean, I can already have it answer emails. Like, I can already have it support people on the phone. There are companies that exist out here that do it already better than we can. Phone-specific, right? Or at least they market, they're intended to market that way. Poly.ai is one. I saw one called, I think, Aircall or Air.ai the other day. And these are all very early, but they're working with big, huge enterprise companies. And, and the answer is, is as long as it can talk like a human and respond and be helpful, sure, why not? Like the caveat is, is we got to come up with a plan to protect the workers who might lose their jobs. Right. Yeah. Now, what if I, what if people don't want to talk to? What if I don't want to talk to an AI? What if I want to get to a human being? Hey, there needs to be a back end to that for sure. 
like at least for the next 10 to 15 years, right? There always should be, if you're truly a company who's devoted to providing the best customer service possible, you will give people options, which is you might, you will have chat for the people who like to chat. You'll have email for the people who like to email. You have phone calls with AIs for the people who like that. You have phone calls with humans for the people who like that. And so the answer is, is I think you have to provide the best way that customers are comfortable contacting you. And over time, more people are going to be comfortable talking to AI than they are today because it's going to take time. Just like the chatbots, it's going to take time for them to realize that the chatbots are not the same unhelpful chatbots that they were before. Uh, yes, that's absolutely true. The, you know, I think the experience for some people, including myself, has been that chatbots can be slow and frustrating. We thought this was going to be a bigger problem. So in our initial test that we did with Verde Ranch RV Resort in Arizona, we thought for sure like especially in the beginning in February when we were really, really early testing this, that someone was going to be frustrated and asked to talk to a human. And so they had a whole system that they were working on setting up in the back end with a voiceover IP provider where they would have a human being available to chat. In how many months has it been now since February? It keeps growing, going by so fast. Six, almost six months since February. Not a single person in a chat log is asked to talk to a human, which surprised me. Uh, yeah. Yeah, assuming that that was easy to get that button or whatever to, to, to actually talk to a person. Well, yeah, so I mean, we program it, it, right? Like you program, can I talk to a human to answer with, sure, call this number, email this person, click this link to go to a human chat, right? Right. And is it completing the whole reservation then for us the, th through the AI? Not yet, but that is definitely the goal, right? And so if you look at some of these reservation companies in the campground space, uh, CampSpot, New Book, StayList, you know, Astro, there's a bunch of other ones, right? Firefly reservations. Most of them have APIs, the bigger companies do. And so the answer to that is, is we know that it's possible to do that. It's just a question of how fast can we develop this and make it work and test it. So yeah, for sure, that's where we want to go with it. Well, I think you've answered all my questions, Brian. I, uh, I'll, I'll keep in touch with you in case some of the viewers get uh, some more questions. Say, hey, how come you didn't ask this? Uh, but I think the future is bright. I am a little bit nervous about, you know, AI and growing up, for instance, with Terminator and hackers that seem to be out there right now trying to steal our personal information. But I do like the fast, accurate responses that I do get when I believe I've been talking with an AI. Well, and that's the good thing, right? Like you're very much on the path that everybody should be on. You should be nervous. You should be cautious. You should be asking questions. But you should also be open to the possibility that maybe this thing is a little bit better than you think it is, too. Not you specifically, Perry, like people in general, right? Be open to both sides and be cognizant of it could go either way. But let's be open to the possibility that it could be good too. Yeah, nope, sounds really good. Hey, thanks for taking the time to chat this morning, Brian. Uh, I'm looking forward to what do you have to tell me in probably a year from now. It might be quicker than that. You might want me back on in three months at the pace this stuff is going. So, But thank you so much, Perry. I appreciate you having me. All right, take care.